I'm always scared when I come in front here because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. So be, be prepared. Father, we come before you this morning. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor. We give you praise. We thank you, Father, that you are high and lifted up. You are exalted on high. You are the king of kings. You are the king of glory, Lord, and there is no one else above you. We worship you, Lord, and we adore you. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather in your presence, Lord God, this morning to worship you. There, there is no other name, Lord God, by which we can be saved but by your name. And Lord, as we come into your presence, we ask, Lord God, that, Lord, you will meet, meet us at our point of need. You know each and every one of us, Lord God. You know the challenges, the struggles that we're going through. And Father, we commit everything into your hands. Lord, I commit myself to you this morning as I am a vessel, Lord God, for your glory. I ask, Lord God, that you use me. Lord, I pray, your Father, that, Lord God, you will use me as your instrument. And, Lord God, let your words come through me, O Father. Lord, let it not be what I have prepared, but let it be what you have prepared, O God. Lord, I worship you and I adore you. I praise you, for you are holy. You are the God of honor. You are the God of glory. Lord, I pray that you touch each and every heart in this room. That, Lord God, as your word comes out, Lord God, that it will not return to you void, O oh Father, but it will accomplish every purpose. I pray that, Lord, our hearts will be receptive to your word. And that, Lord, we will not forget it, O oh Father, but we'll hide it in our hearts, Lord God, so we'll not sin against you. We praise you, Lord, and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I probably am going to be about five minutes today, uh, unlike me. I've only been given two verses to preach from. So by the time I finish reading the verse and saying what I want to say about the verse, five minutes will be done. Okay. So... Uh, Many, many years ago, I, I can't remember how long, so the story that I'm going to tell you might not be, might not be the exact representation, but it's uh, somewhere along those lines. Um, I just finished high school, no, secondary school. I hadn't done my A-levels yet, and I was at the age that I could uh, start learning to drive. So my father had a few cars, but uh, he wouldn't let me anywhere near any of those cars until I was uh, legal. So I had to go to driving school. So I did all the bits that I needed to do and came the final part where I had to go into the car and drive. So I went to the driving school, went with the instructor, the instructor drove the car to somewhere secluded and I was really excited that I am going to drive the car for the first time. I get there, driver says, okay, the instructor says, okay, shift places, you sit in the driver's seat. I say, oh, yes. And he then starts going on about the instrument clusters, the controls, the gear shifts, and everything. I think, I don't want all this, I just want to drive. And he goes on and on and on until the lesson is almost over, and I haven't even started the car. So I was really, 
really disappointed, but what I paid for was done, so I had to go. I was looking forward to the following day, came back the following day, and drove, drove again to the same place, and we got there, said, right, jump over, and he reminds me all the things that he told me yesterday. He says, right, start the car, started the car, says, foot on the clutch, put the foot on the clutch, says, shift to the first gear, I did that, and I'm excited. He says, now, release, and all I had was release, and I just released my foot on the clutch, and it came to an embarrassing jump and stall. And I was a bit disappointed. However, what I had not listened to was that he was giving me the instruction to say, gently release the clutch and increase your accelerator, on your accelerator pedal until you get to a point where you hear the engine sound change. And when that happens, you then need to slowly release the handbrake and release the clutch fully. And because I was so keen, I just did what I did and the car stalled. And I paid attention the next time around. I listened and I was able to then move the car forward. I was able to progress until such a time I was able to drive. I went for my driving test and I passed first time. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, I've, uh, I've had uh, two learner's tests. Uh, I passed the first one first time. I've had two driving tests. I passed the first one first time. The second time was for the lorry. I passed that first time. And the driving test, I passed that first time as well. So, so I, <laughs> I don't know whether that meant uh, I was a st good student or what. So you might be wondering, why am I telling you about this? Well, I went to the driving school and I went there to learn. And once I passed, I didn't stay in the driving school. I had to leave the driving school and go on and be on my own and start driving on my own and navigate and start living the real life because uh, the real test starts when you go on your own. So we have seen in the book of Colossians, I think I'm still a little bit high. Thank you. Yeah, that's much better. We've seen in the book of Colossians how Paul has been talking to the church in Colossae. And we see in chapter 1, from verses 3 to 8, Paul reflects on how he, re how he rejoiced with them in the gospel that they had learned from Epaphras. And from verses 9 to 13, Paul has prayed for them to live out the gospel. And in chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, he has instructed them about the person of the gospel, being very specific in that 
the center of the gospel is the supremacy of Jesus Christ and everything that is there is centered around Jesus Christ. Everything that they do in the gospel is around Jesus Christ. And in verses 24 through to chapter 2, I think that's what Rob spoke about uh, last time he did speak, he encourages them and warns them about the goal of the gospel. And now, Paul is giving them the instruction. What it means is that they have finished the learning part, the education part of, of, of being the new church, and now they are beginning to get the instructions of what they need to do as a church. So my verses that I have are Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says... As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Okay. Read that again. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving so the church in Colossae had received Christ and receiving Christ was only the beginning of the journey with Christ so when you receive Christ you don't just finish there. It's not the end. It's only the beginning. You then need to learn to live the life in Christ. Your life needs to be centered. So he talks about being rooted here. What does it mean to be rooted? Have you seen trees outside or have you seen plants outside? They are all rooted in the ground. And there is no one that goes about with, with a spoon and feeds the trees because they get all their nutrients from the ground. They draw that nutrients from the ground via the roots which are rooting it to the, the, soil that, the soil that it's planted in. So like a tree, you need to draw your nutrients from Jesus Christ. In order for you to live as a Christian, you need to draw your... your, your your instruction, your guidance, your teaching, your wisdom, all that has to come to you through Christ. And Christ will lead you. He, he knows what you need. He knows what is right for you. You might think that you know what you need. You might think you know what is right for you. But on your own, you, you, you cannot do anything. As, as we were coming in uh, with the boys, we were listening to something on... UCB. I didn't catch the start, I didn't catch the finish, but I did catch one thing, uh, which is uh, linking to what I'm talking about. She was talking about how Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. He doesn't say, I can do all things. Because we cannot do all things. Life will be really challenging. Life will be really difficult if we were to do 
things through our own strength. But our, our power comes from Christ. It is Christ that empowers us. It is Christ that leads us and directs us in which way to go. So as we root ourselves in him, as we learn about his word, as we immerse ourselves in his word, we are getting what we need to progress as Christians. We cannot walk the walk on our own. And Ephesians 6 tells us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. If we were fighting against flesh and blood, we would use the, the carnal weapons. And half of the time, we'd probably be defeated because we don't have the right strategy. Even if we have the right strategy, we have got no control over the weather. We have no control over the terrain that we're fighting in. But Paul tells us that we are fighting against principalities, against rulers of the heavenly places. So we need to be equipped with the right, with the right armor. That's why Paul says, put on the full armor of God. So when Paul is writing here to the church in Colossae, he is telling them that they need to get ready for, for that gospel that they have been called into. It did apply to them back then, but it also applies to us today. We are living in a really difficult time. We are living at end times, uh, as the Bible calls it. And we've got all sorts of challenges that are coming our way. And how do we overcome those challenges? We can look for strategies on the internet. You will definitely find answers in there but that's not the right answer that you're looking for. Because the Bible tells us that we need to be rooted in Christ. And when we are rooted in, in Christ, we then become established. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, there was uh, Storm Irwin, I think it was. And we have seen a lot of trees uh, that fell and a lot of damage that uh, happened because of that storm. Uh, some of the trees fell because the roots were not deep enough. Some of the trees fell because their structure was not uh, suitable for those winds. So when you come to think about it, if you are a Christian and your life is not established in Christ, that means you are on shaky ground. Any little storm that comes your way, it will blow you off. So as the children of God, we need to know where we establish ourselves, how we establish ourselves in Christ. So we need to be immersing ourselves in the word. Sorry, I forgot I've got notes. Okay, so uh, Prophet Jeremiah uh, talks about uh, being like a tree. In Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and his hope is the Lord. So there's a similarity between what Paul is saying and what Prophet Jeremiah is saying here. The trust is in the Lord. So he sh for he shall be like a tree that is planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought nor cease from yielding fruit. So therefore, if we are rooted in Christ, 
we have got no fear when trials come, when troubles come. Because we are like that tree that is planted by the waters. In the time of drought, it knows to reach down and get the nutrients that it needs. It knows to produce its fruit in time. Its leaf never grows, never grows uh, brown. It stays green because it has got that constant feed. So Paul says that your faith will grow. It will grow strong in the truth that you have been taught. So when you are taught something, you don't leave it at that. So when I was taught to drive, I didn't leave it that I've got my license, that's it. I'm going to put it away and that's it. I had to constantly practice doing that. I had to have someone with me on the first few days when I started until I gained that confidence and then I was able to venture out. So when you are taught something, you need to practice. The more you practice, the better you become on that thing that you have been taught. So Paul in Romans 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world. There are so many things that are happening around us. There are so many influences that are pushing us to shift towards those influences and forget where we need to be stand, which is in Christ. Paul says, do not be conformed to those systems. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is in the mind where everything is formulated. It is in the mind that you get uh, transported to an area of disappointment. And it comes again the following day. It gets you transported to the same place and you get that same head. But if you transform your mind and it says, I want you to go there and say, no, I'm not going there because I know that you're taking me to disappointment, but I choose to stand in Christ. And it is in Christ that I am going to stand. It is in Christ that I am going to meditate. And when you do that, you are being renewed in your mind. You are being transformed in the way that you live. So when you do that, you are proving what is good and acceptable will of God. He says in verse 3, For I say, through grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. So we all in this room have been given a measure of faith. And all the apostles that we, we, we read about, all the, all the men of God that we read about, the women of God that we read about, that do miracles, that do wonders, they have all been dealt a measure of faith, the same measure that has been dealt to everyone. But they are able to do that because they have exercised their faith. They have taken time to spend time in 
the presence of God. They have allowed God to use them. They have allowed the will of God to take over rather than, rather than to sacrifice. Uh, Samuel says that obedience is better than sacrifice. So when you come to God, you need to come to God in obedience rather than to sacrifice because when you sacrifice, you are going away from the will of God. So you need to stay in that will of God. It is where Paul is, is leading the church in Colossae that they now they have learned all these things that he's talked about in chapter 1 up to now. And now they need to then begin to do something. So I'm also urging us as a church that it is time for us to do something. It is time for us to act. Not just to sit and expect that things will move forward. Nothing is going to move forward unless we take that stand and act. Unless we have that faith. Unless we, we, we stand in prayer. Unless we, we, we take the time. Um, in uh, Matthew, somewhere in Matthew, Matthew 17, 21, I think it is, uh, the disciples had faced this uh, boy who was uh, possessed with demons, and they couldn't heal him. So Jesus comes and he cast the demon away, and later on the disciples ask, why couldn't we heal the boy? And Jesus says, this cannot go but by prayer and fasting. So sometimes we do need as a church to get to that point where we stand together for one particular cause. We pray, we fast, we pray, and then when we come to that issue, it will be moved. It's not going to be moved by our prayers and fasting, but it will be moved by the faith that has been activated by doing that process of praying and fasting. So we need, as a church, to take a stand. We need to decide where we stand. We cannot be sitting on the fence. We cannot want to be enjoying the things of the world, and on Sunday we are coming to church. We need to be decided, and wherever we are, let every day be a, a Sunday to you, or a Saturday, whatever your Sabbath is. Decide and let every day be that day where you are in constant communication with God, where you practice the presence of God in your life. Because we cannot in this present day and age, call ourselves mature Christians and yet still fail to practice the presence of God. We don't need to have an appointment with God to say, okay, I, I, have, to go, I have to go and pray. It's three o'clock, I have to go and pray. Wherever you are, you can speak to God. Your God is omnipresent. It doesn't need a special place for you to be in. Yes, you do need that quiet time where there are no distractions but you can pray to God at any time in the midst of any situation. Amen? And talking about uh, practicing the presence of God, we have been given the Holy Spirit and he dwells in us. 
So you've got to acknowledge or recognize that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he gives you the power. It says uh, somewhere in Ephesians, I think, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. It gives us that, that power to be able to do things. So if the, if the power that raised Christ from the dead is in you, why is, it, why is it not possible for you to lay hands on the sick and they are healed? It is very possible. All you need to do is to exercise your faith. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Oh, by the way, I think uh, I got them wrong, didn't I? The fruits of the Spirit. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So additionally, from the message, from learning the message of Christ, Paul writes in chapter 3, verse 16 of Colossians, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul here is encouraging us to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us. And as the word of Christ dwells in us, it transforms us. It changes us from the old person that he says have been crucified, the passions and desires have been crucified. So when we dwell in, in Christ, those are gotten rid of completely and we become new creation. So how do we do that, you might ask? It is by having your daily devotions. It is by mixing with people that have got the same goal, which is Christ, who have the desire to, to grow in Christ. Be a part of a house group be a part of, of, of something that's happening. Be the person that rises up to save. And there is a group that uh, Kits uh, is leading that started a couple of weeks, and it is called Into the World, Into the Word. You can be part of that, and they go into the Bible and explore the Bible into more detail. And I had the the feedback was quite a positive one from the people that attended. So you could be part of that. Allow yourself to serve in the church. Be part of your community. James talks about faith without works being dead. 
So in James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have the works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and, or, and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and be filled. But you do not give them things in which, which they are need for the body. What does it profit? Thus, also, faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have your faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So, brothers and sisters, what are you practicing? What are people learning from you? Are you telling the world that I love Jesus? Or are you telling the world through your works that you love Jesus without saying a word? It is what you do that proves who you are in your heart. So I would like to urge us this morning to take time and think about our lives. What is it that I can change so I become more visible? We are glory carriers. We are the light of the earth. If I go home and close the door and shut the curtains, no one is going to see my light. But if I go home and go to my neighbors and speak to them and share and look out for the elderly neighbors who are in need of, of help and go and help them. Don't even ask, uh, take my lawnmower and cut their grass and when they come out, their grass is cut. Or I go to them and say, do you know what? Jesus loves you. Be blessed. And I can see there's a whole, a whole lot of dandelions on their, on their grass. Which of the two is representing the love of God? So I, I need us to think about how we live our lives in our places of work. What are we doing so we are visible, so that the Christ in us is visible? When people see us, do they see anything different from the next person that's sitting to us? So let, let us go out and light up the world. We are a city on a hill, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And people need to see that light that we illuminate. Let us be the beacons. Let us be the beacons, and let, let us let our light shine and as it shines it illuminates the other beacons and then we will bring light to our whole neighborhood 
encourage one another. Pray for each other. I think um, I'm known to be passionate about prayer, but I, I don't pray enough. I just wish I would pray more. I wish I would spend more time in the presence of God. If you go with me to James chapter 5, please. And I'm going to read from verse 13. And it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him, will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. It then goes on to say, confess your trespasses or confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah was just an ordinary man, like you and me. The only difference is uh, he was a prophet. You have got the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit in you gives you the power to prophesy. So you are the same as Elijah. You can then utilize that power that is in you by getting closer to God, spending more time to God, exercising your faith. And as you do, you will have that same power to lay your hands on the sick and they'll be, they will be healed. Jesus said, even greater things shall we do. So I want to encourage us as a church to pray a little bit more, to be involved. There's a, a, a saying that says there is power in corporate prayer. So when we come together and pray, we cover each other. So I just want to encourage us as a church to pray a bit more. There is a prayer meeting that happens every morning, 6.30 to 7 on Zoom. You are welcome to join. The details are on, on the website. If you haven't got access to the website, uh, come and see myself, Dave, or Rachel, or Matt there, and we will make sure that your details are, are put on the website, on the newsletter, and you can get access to the weekly newsletter. The website, you 
you go onto the internet. What is it? Freedomchurchchester.org. Yeah. Just, just testing. Putting you on this spot. Okay. We also have uh, prayer meetings uh, Sunday evening every fortnight. Uh, the following one, which is next week, will be in the building here uh, in person. So please do try and make an effort to, to join us. Okay. That is uh, another way that you can get involved in something that is happening in the church. It might be that... Uh, you are in here and you haven't got that relationship with Christ. You've not met him. Or you did have that relationship and you drifted away. Just like the prodigal son who went away and came back expecting to be made a servant, our father is here ready to welcome us with open arms, and he wants to make us join heirs with Christ. So if that's you this morning, even if that's you on Zoom or on YouTube, if you haven't made that commitment, I would like to invite you. I want you to pray with us. You have to make a conscious step for you to be part of God's family. First of all, you have to come to him in repentance. And repenting doesn't mean to say, I'm sorry, and then you go back tomorrow and do it. Repenting means that you are making a 360 degree turn and you are moving away from your old lifestyle and coming into a new lifestyle where Jesus is the one that is in charge of your life. And he doesn't force himself into your life, but you let him in. You invite him in. So if that's you this morning, I would like to pray with you. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I would like you to put your hand up if you haven't got that relationship. Or if you, do have, you did have the relationship and you moved away, you have got that opportunity as well to come back to him. So just slip your hand up. No one's going to see you. Uh, everyone's eyes are closed. Okay. And I would like you to repeat the prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I know I am a sinful person and I come before you. I come in repentance. I repent of all my sins and I'm asking you to forgive me. I am inviting you to be the Lord of my life. I am inviting you to come and stay with me to help me change and transform. I now receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.